This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. Well, I had to search for it, but I finally found some coverage of this story that wasn't in Catholic press. Reuters headline, Liberal Cardinal Calls for Revised Catholic Teaching on Gays. The article begins with this. A prominent liberal cardinal who leads a body representing European bishops has called for fundamental revision in Catholic teaching on homosexuality. He said it's wrong to fire church workers for being gay. So why did I have to look for that story? It's a giant story. Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. He's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. So why did I have to search for this story? Why haven't we heard about this in major media? Well, I cannot give you a strictly factual answer to that question. I I can only sort of wrestle with it and make some suggestions. And, and I want to start in what may seem like a strange place. I, I know from my years of experience in mainstream newsroom that I know there's a certain look that an editor gets in her eyes when you walk up and you start trying to explain something that's a very, very important story. You know it's an important story. The problem is the story is taking place in a very technical setting. And the language being used in the story is very obscure. And people are even debating about what the words mean. So what's happening is you're trying to figure out whether there are important actions or changes that are being hidden by this fog of, in this case, ecclesiastical verbiage. And as you, as you explain and explain and explain to the editor, you can watch their eyes just completely glaze over. And at some point they will even say, Mattingly, you've been talking about this issue for years and nothing has happened. When are we going to get a headline out of this? And see, that's the whole point. Religion tends to be a, a subject that changes and evolves over decades and even centuries. You also, when you're covering churches in which traditional believers may even be a majority, or they're a majority of the active members, or they're a majority of the people who have families that are, say, in the case of Catholicism, that are producing priests, or you have a majority of Catholics who are extremely active and paying their tithes and stuff like that. 
when you're trying to make a change that you suspect those people will not be all that happy about, you you try to make the change and debates about the change in as vague and technical a matter <laughs> as possible. Uh, this is associated a lot with a particular order within Catholicism. And I have heard for decades, I have heard Catholics use the word Jesuit, as in the Society of Jesus. They've used the word Jesuit as a verb. Well, you know they're going to Jesuit that thing. And what they mean is it's going to be discussed in such a complicated fashion, moving towards some sort of compromise that may sound normal, but you all know that it's not really normal. And I can go on and on about this. But I should point out at this point that what we're really dealing with here is trying to figure out what Pope Francis is trying to do. What is he trying to accomplish, or what is he trying to prevent from happening? And at that point, you have to stop and say, oh, right, Pope Francis is a Jesuit. That means there's a distinct possibility that he will Jesuit this thing. And when Catholics use that term, it's not a compliment. And there are conservative Jesuits, but it, here in America and in the West, the Jesuit order has, in recent decades, become kind of the point on the spear for a lot of efforts involving progressive Catholicism. So, to make a long story short, I cannot tell you why this story is not getting major coverage. But I have two basic theories. One is that it's simply too technical. It's happening over in Europe and it involves names that people don't know other than Pope Francis. And because of that, they're waiting to see if anything definitive happens. But the second reason gets me a little bit into conspiracy theory territory. And I base this on having read the voices in Catholic Twitter on the left. There's not a lot of celebrating going on about this statement by this cardinal, even though the cardinal is very important for reasons that we'll get into in just a second. I, I, I don't think the left wants to celebrate and shoot rockets up and celebrate this because it, he, this cardinal may have spoken too soon. This is the, one of the same cardinals and bishops who a couple of months ago, when hundreds of Catholics, including many, many priests, decided that they would defy the church's teachings on same-sex marriage. This was one of the bishops who said, well, you know, I understand priests may do that, and I don't intend to punish them for it. In other words, you get the distinction between not endorsing something, but then saying, I'm going to look the other way. To some degree at this point, I think a lot of Catholics are looking the other way on this story and trying to figure out what it means. What do we know about the designs of Cardinal Jean-Claude Holrich, the one that we're discussing here, this cardinal cited in the Reuters piece I described? Well, yeah, you know how fond I am of trying to pick crucial words and terms that you can hit a define shift thing on your keyboard and do a search of a document and find out if that word occurs in the piece. In this case, 
the term you need to be looking for, if when readers read up on this, you should be looking for the term relator general. It could be relator general, but I think in a European context that you hear relator general. And I'm, I would imagine at this point that you've never heard the term relator general in your life. No. Right? Okay. I, I, it can be used in a number of different settings in terms of Robert's Rules of Orders or whatever. But right now in Europe, they've been having synods. And a really big idea among Catholic progressives right now is that at some point, rather than just having creeds and a catechism and an all-powerful pope, we need to let the people of God be heard on the changes that need to occur in their church. And all of this could take place in meetings called synods. And a synod has just completed in Germany, involving churches, churches in Germany. And at the end of this synod, the synod called, well, they, the whole nine yards, I mean, ordination of, of married men, uh, blessing of same-sex unions, changing of church doctrines on homosexuality, all the stuff that this Jean-Claude Hollerich, this cardinal from Luxembourg, has advocated in an interview with, I believe it was with a German publication, which is where the, the first domino in this sequence began to fall. Well, this leads, if you think related, relator general is a bad phrase, how about this phrase, synod on synodality? Didn't that have like a Zen quality to you? Like two, you know, one hand clapping, a synod on synodality. Where it's, you're going to have a meeting to decide what the meeting can do. Or you're going to have a conference about the importance of conferences. Well, the synod on synodality is actually something that Pope Francis is very committed to. And he's supposed to be talking to bishops and other Catholics from around the world. And they're going to talk about how should doctrine in the Roman Catholic Church evolve? I mean, if you wanted to change a teaching on the meaning of marriage or divorce or who gets to receive communion and who doesn't, how would you decide about that? Well, in the past, that would depend on something like a Vatican II. You'd actually have to have a claimed general universal council of the church to make a change like that. Well, but what if you wanted to work your way up to that? I have several times now on Twitter put out something. Expect, I mean, Catholic Twitter, you normally can throw the smallest of pebbles into the water, and the ripples will just go, ching, will spring out through Twitter. I find it fascinating that both liberal Catholics and conservative Catholics have not responded now three times when I asked this question. Is synod on synodality just another way of saying that Catholics should be seeking the spirit of Vatican II? And the spirit of Vatican II is a phrase beloved by the Catholic left. And what it means is Vatican II was just the start. And that the Catholic Church shouldn't be limited just to the words of Vatican II, the actual doctrines affirmed by Vatican II and stated by Vatican II. We should read between the lines and try to figure out the spirit of Vatican II. It's something like what happens when 
people start debating changes on the U.S. Supreme Court. And they say, well, should we follow the actual letter of the Constitution or should we look for the spirit of what's going on in our concept of privacy rights? Well, don't be hung up just on what the courts in the past have said. Let's figure out what the spirit would lead them. It's almost spirit with a capital S. What spirit would lead them to do today in a changing world? Well, <laughs> at some point, it really begins to sound like synod on synodality is basically a, a reference to Catholics acting more like Anglicans and believing that you can get together with a bunch of bishops and some other people and you can just put doctrine up for a vote and say, what do we want to change and how and why? So all of this comes back to your question about Cardinal Jean-Claude Holerich of Luxembourg. Pope Francis appointed this man as Relator General of the Catholic Church's upcoming Synod on Synodality. Well, what's the role of this officer? His role is to determine the themes and the subjects that will be debated during the meeting. And there's more to it than that. This officer is also in charging of supervising the, the writing of the summaries of the different presentations of people that speak during the Synod on Synodality. And at the end, unless I'm getting this wrong based on the things I've read about it, I believe this is also the man who gets to be in charge of the committee that takes all those summaries of what people said in their testimonies and stuff and pushes it toward a final statement of what the Synod on Synodality has concluded. And this person was appointed, this man was appointed by Pope Francis. And you would think that's a pretty symbolic appointment, isn't it? This man is going to, in many ways, run the Synod on Synodality that will be in a position to help change and evolve, if we're going to use evolve as a verb, the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. So do you see that it's rather important for that particular guy to give an interview and say, let's face it, for 2,000 years, the church has been all wrong on this homosexuality thing. We, we haven't understood the scriptures. Maybe the early church didn't mean what we thought it meant all these years. And he just hauled off and did something very unusual. He hauled off and said, we are wrong on this subject. Let me read you a, a piece of a commentary on this by the National Catholic Register, which is a doctrinally conservative publication and organization. And they pointed that, as always, there wasn't a whole lot of clarity in this interview about a key thing. And what you see over and over is people saying, the Catholic Church teaches that homosexuality is a sin. Well, hold it, wait, what does the Catholic Church teach? Well, actually, the Catholic Church teaches, as I imagine, frankly, the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church teaches, and I know this is what Orthodoxy would teach, they we would say that the temptation to same-gender confusion, to gender confusion or to same-sex attraction, the temptation is not in and of itself sinful. 
It's based on something about the fall of nature and something about the brokenness of our of our lives and our world, and that people are tempted to lots of things. What's a sin is if they act on it. Well, the cardinal, as he kind of Jesuited the situation, didn't rush to define those terms when he said, we have been wrong about homosexuality. And that right now, the catechism teaches that homosexuality is intrinsically disordered, that it is broken. It's a part of the brokenness of creation. Let me read this statement now. The statement was shocking, an instance of a prominent church leader openly criticizing a moral doctrine that has been held by the church, quod semper, quod oblique, quod ad omnibus, always, everywhere, from the beginning, siding with secularized culture on the contentious topic over orthodox teaching. Perhaps even more troubling than the specific content of Cardinal Hollerich's view is the underlying logic related to church doctrine and development that prompted it, a concern amplified by the significant role the prelate is set to play in the Senate. In this analysis, Cardinal Holerich wasn't just attacking a discrete set of moral and anthropological doctrines. Instead, he was undermining the notion of doctrinal integrity itself. In other words, it's, it's like an almost an argument against permanent doctrine, that some things are true and transcendent, and they always will be true because the church has always believed them and stated them in their doctrines. So you can see that there's really, really big stakes being played here. So Terry, when is the synod on the synodality? And it sounds like a democratizing of doctrine in the Catholic Church. I don't know uh, if a pope can keep his job if he hands that particular power over to the masses. Well, uh, pope, popes are kind of in charge of, the, of when they keep their own jobs. I mean, no, unless they get, you know, assassinated or something. So I, I don't know if that's the right way to look at it. I, I think the way, let me put it in American political terms, you know, the language of the people, so to speak, or certainly of newsrooms. My question is, is Cardinal Holerich a trial balloon? If you're familiar in Washington speak, Beltway speak, when, when a party floats a trial balloon, they'll put out like an extreme version of a policy, and then try to see how everybody reacts. Try to get a feeling of who's going to freak out, who's going to endorse it, who, but this is usually what's most important, who is silent? Who just lets this go out there? Well, what's the purpose of a trial balloon if it doesn't get any news coverage? To be blunt about it, What's the purpose of a trial balloon if it's not in the New York Times or on national public radio? So this gets me into conspiracy theory land. I would really like to know if reporters in some of our best religion-beat newsrooms, if some of them called up their Catholic sources, particularly Catholic sources on the left, if you're in you know, New York City and Fordham is just couple of miles away or a couple of blocks away or a couple of stops on the one line. What if you call them up and they go, you, you know, Holerich is a, is a brave man, but he was probably speaking for himself and a little bit ahead of time. It's probably too early to write a story about this. We really need to see what the Pope says and does. You know, at which point that's true. If this Cardinal had said this, and the Pope had responded by sacking him. 
Would that be a clear statement? Yeah. What if the Pope said, I'm going to take you out of the position of Relator General? That would be clear. What if the Pope even said, I think we need two people in that position right now, or we need to have other ways of determining what the Synod on Synodality says? In other words, if, will the Pope send some sort of signal that this guy has stepped over a line? Because lately the Pope has been affirming the doctrine, but at the same time he keeps praising the Catholic left. He, he praises ministries that have existed for decades for the expressed purpose of overturning the church's teachings and praise them for their ministry to gay and lesbian people and stuff like that. So the Pope is, appears to be, Jesuiting it. He's sending signals on one side while affirming the doctrine on the other, and then we wait to see what happens. The very, very wise, in my opinion, set of canon lawyers and journalists at the pillar, here's how, here's how they put it. And I could try to read this real quick, just two short paragraphs. Hollerick knows that Francis has taken pains to affirm Catholic doctrine on sexuality, even while calling for more engaged pastoral ministry. As a matter of practical pastoral care, if the Vatican hopes to engage meaningfully in pastoral and evangelical work among people who identify as gay, Pope Francis will have to decide whether Hollerick's advocacy is presenting a set of false expectations that will cause real damage when they're dashed. In other words, maybe the left isn't celebrating because, A, they know it's too early to celebrate, and if they celebrate too loudly, a lot of people in conservative parts of the church, especially the growing churches of Africa and Asia, remember, European churches are shrinking, shrinking like crazy. Here in America, birth rates are way down. The number of new priests are way down. The church in the West isn't doing all that well. Yet Europe, the European Union, the symbol of cultural liberalism, that's where this trial balloon has been floated. Maybe Pope Francis wanted a trial balloon on this, but he also knows Europe is not the majority of the Roman Catholic Church right now. So to some degree, Maybe he knows that this was too much too soon, but we will have to see what he does. Finally, with uh, just about a minute here, Terry, what would it take to break the threshold and really get some coverage here? Uh, the New York Times. I mean, it, it needs to be covered by one of the news agencies in on this side of the Atlantic, one of the news agencies that the rest of the media look to and say, huh, that's a big story. And the big symbolic two, in my opinion, at this moment in our history, the big two are the New York Times and National Public Radio. So we that's where we should be watching. Maybe if the Associated Press did it. I mean, at this point, I haven't even seen a story on this from the, from the liberal commentators at Religion News Service, which is usually a pretty predictable weather, you know, weather vane on trends from the left. We need to see if this shows up at NPR or the New York Times. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thanks. 
Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.